Claptrap, Episode 2, 3D Printing. Hello and welcome to the Claptrap Country Podcast, episode number two. Today's episode will feature Chris Gorman, a 3D printing expert who's going to dive into some technical detail regarding 3D printers as well as the 3D printing manufacturing process. I'm going to tell you guys, I think this episode is for those of you who are technically inclined with computers or CNC processes, as well as those folks who enjoy crafts, or maybe even DIYers who like to make custom things for around the house. One final thing I'll say before we get started, Chris is a very smart guy and has an engineering background to which he lives and breathes all things engineering. You'll understand what I mean shortly. Just keep that in mind and let's have some fun. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are in your career, life, mindset, all all that kind of good stuff? Yeah. So obviously went to college with both of you guys. So we're all engineers. I just started a new job at a Gojo, actually. Left the aerospace industry with eight years into that. Started this new job up about a month and a half ago. Figured there's more people using hand sanitizer now than flying in planes. As far as life and mindset goes, that move is really, uh, we all get beaten down at work uh, pretty often. That's that's what the role of an engineer really is. Ever since switching, I find myself a lot more free time. I was telling you guys, I'm practicing jujitsu now. I'm doing that a lot more frequently than I was before. Brand new kid, first one my wife and I had just uh, three weeks ago. Yeah, congrats about that. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Actually, keeping the gender uh, secret from ourselves also. So when uh, when he was born, I was just as surprised as she was and obviously a very big deal for us. So I guess that life and mindset kind of go together with that is uh, a lot of free time now, uh, a lot more relaxed. The balance between work and home life couldn't have been more perfect timing with having a kid and uh, uh, also having uh you know, the, the side job here we're going to talk about and, uh, and, and some other hobbies I have. So everything's going pretty well. Can you explain what 3D printing is and how did you get involved with it? Yeah. So obviously 3D printing, it's uh, synonymous with additive manufacturing. And if I were to explain to somebody that has no idea what 3D printing is, I take something that we all know how to do, which is, you know, regular manufacturing. I boil it down to like the fundamentals. Say you're building a uh, birdhouse. You're going to run over to the hardware store. You're going to buy your hardware. You're going to buy your wood. What you're going to do with that wood after you got your plans made up, you're going to be cutting that wood up to the shapes that you need to make that birdhouse. What that's actually considered is uh, subtractive manufacturing, which is the opposite of additive manufacturing. Uh, so with subtractive manufacturing, that involves anything from uh, anything you would do in a machining shop, uh, anything you would do with carpentry. You take uh, a piece of material and you subtract from it. You whittle away, uh, you know, a, a block of stone to make a statue, subtracting the the parent material to make your your product or your object. And that's like I said, the opposite of additive manufacturing. What you're doing is you're taking a blank. I hate to say canvas because now people are going to say painting is additive manufacturing, <laughs> but uh, you take a blank build plate from that. You add material to the nothing that it was to, to make your product. It's, uh, that's the most fundamental way I, I can explain it. And actually, the way I got involved with it was kind of 
it was kind of a slow boil. I always knew about it through school. Um, it's hard to say what came first, if I remember right. I think uh, I took my classes on it after I already had a plan in mind of what I wanted to do with 3D printing, which was our senior design project. So did school really get you started going for the 3D printing is what is what you're kind of alluding to, it sounds like? I'd say the project at hand begged a need to use 3D printing. It was a cheaper alternative to make something that I, I needed to make. That uh, that quadcopter I made, Kyle's seen it. I tried all these different kinds of uh, manufacturing. I tried to uh, make it with carbon fiber out of a mold. I tried to pour it out of plastic. Those are all additive manufacturing. And what actually ended up being the cheapest and easiest object uh, option was to, to 3D print it. From there, I guess I just I, I gained an interest in it, carried it on through uh, graduation and then bought my, bought my own 3D printer and kind of started from there. All right. So then a follow-up question for you. So when you bought your 3D printer, was this in the grand scheme of, man, this is a cool hobby so far? Or did at that point, did you think, man, this, this would be a good business idea too? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was actually intended to just be a hobby at first. I got it. Uh, I realized how expensive it was to maintain it. The plastic, not not super expensive, but expensive enough that I'm not making stuff and that I don't really need and throwing it away. So I, I actually found a website. People would pay you to make 3D prints for them. And my first job came, I think it took a while, like two or three weeks. And I got one small job for like $15, $20. It was for a quadcopter frame. Came out okay, I guess, because the guy actually turned into a pretty long-term customer. Uh, I don't hear from him as frequently as I did back uh, five years ago, but I still hear from him once in a while. And learn pretty quickly that people like to buy <laughs> buy their uh, their custom made 3D printed uh, 3D printed parts and uh, certainly have no problem paying for someone else to do it for them. Now I'm sitting uh, in my basement talking to you guys right now with uh, about six 3D printers, all different kinds. I consider it a hobby that pays for itself, but I do find myself down in the basement pretty late at night some nights uh, trying to get a job done. So I guess maybe what is the, the most unique thing that you've made, or is there something that seems to come around quite a bit? Yeah, that's that's usually one of the first questions people ask me. You know, what kind of stuff do you do you three D print? And uh, that's that's probably one of the harder questions to answer because it's it's anything. Uh, people come to me with their idea or their design or something they found online, and they print it. Last I checked, which was maybe about three months ago, I was just doing some accounting from a nostalgic aspect, some of the customers I've had, and it's, it's been over, uh, it's been over 500 different jobs. And for the most part, I'd say most of those 500, sorry, not 500 jobs, 500 customers, most of those 500 customers all had completely different, completely different objects. They were completely different products they were printing. So when I try to narrow it down to a few things, if I, if I had to say, what I print the most of, it would be little uh, board game figurines. I do those quite a bit because the technology of 3D printing really, you know, different possibilities for board games people can play. Some people even try to make their own board games and come to me to, to 3D print the pieces. So there's certainly a large amount of things have been printed on, on my printers, but I'd say maybe maybe the majority of the things would be game pieces for board games. That's really interesting. Are these now these game pieces? Are they like of like Monopoly pieces, like those kind of size things? Are we talking like you know big statue type things or? A lot of them are figurines, uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and uh, Monopoly pieces, stuff like that. Card holders or token holders come across uh, my email. 
things uh, complementary to the board game where you, where you keep your pieces or you keep your checkers or whatnot. See a lot of that stuff. See a lot of custom designed like dice towers. If you guys know what I'm talking about there, it, it's a variety, mostly little figurines, whatever board game they're playing at the time. Is there like an entry level type of printer, maybe like a brand or a price range you would recommend to start out with before getting into some of the professional stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people ask me, hey, you know, I heard you 3D print, you know, can you recommend a 3D printer to me? And what I actually do, maybe some people get aggravated from at me, but I recommend them to buy a kit to build their own 3D printer. You can get started 3D printing within a week buying a kit off Amazon for less than $200. And the reason why I, I suggest people to buy a kit rather than buying a 3D printer is not like running a microwave. You don't push a button and it comes out clean, uh, you know, or done, you know, there's some things you need to learn some, uh, you know, the tricks of the trade. So when you're building your own 3D printer, you know, that machine now, you know how it was built, you know what every sensor, every belt, every wire goes to. Uh, so as far as troubleshooting goes, kind of educated yourself for less than $200, educated yourself on how to, how to troubleshoot a, a 3D printer and uh, how to run it, obviously. And and then additionally, how to, how to optimize it. You know, there's plenty of uh, free websites that people design upgrades for these kits. The, the brand names, I'm well, the websites I'm talking about are like GrabCAD and Thingiverse.com, full of upgrades for all different kinds of these uh, brands of, of kits. And uh, what I would recommend as far as a brand name goes, Prusa is a, is a pretty widely known name. Probably it's really widely used as well. So if, if you do run into a problem you can't figure out yourself, plenty of blogs like on, uh, on Reddit or, or just going through the Internet, you can ask people that, you know, show them a few photos of what your issue is. And I mean, it's almost instantaneous. People are helping you solve the problem. Those are the brand names. Uh, Prusa, Annette, A8, some of the first kits that I bought, Creality. And uh, Ender, E-N-D-E-R, would be some of the brand names I would suggest. So that you're talking just about the actual machine itself. Is there a software that, that typically come with these packages as well? Or is that a totally different thing where you're using, you know, some CAD software that's that works well with that system? Right. Yeah. Not, and yeah, I guess we should specify that, that you do need a software in order to run the 3D printer. The software you would use, it's it's known as a slicer. By the way, we're only talking about FDM printers right now. You know, it's it's the third it's the plastic 3D printers. It's not the the liquid printers. But anyways, you, you need a software known as a uh, it's a called a slicer. And what it does, it'll take your 3D object and it slices it into uh, cross sections up in the uh, the horizontal direction based on inputs that you you know you input into that software. But there's a lot of those that are uh, open source and free, which are actually the ones I prefer, but just because of the, the community constantly updating and, and optimizing it. Yeah, there's also slicer softwares that, that come with the 3D printers. Brand names that come to mind is like the XYZ, Maker XYZ. Uh, that's a Chinese manufacturer. Two of those were actually my first printers that I had. They come with the slicer software. They're not very option oriented. They've got size, or I'm sorry, resolution options, you know, how precise you want the model and the amount of infill density. And that's about all the options really that you can you can choose from. And then the rest of it's already pre-programmed into the software. So you get a lot more freedom with the open source ones and uh, they're typically free. The one that I prefer to use is free. Uh, you can get 3D printers, which are not kits. They're already assembled. 
they'll typically come with a slicer software that the, the manufacturer develops. What are the different types of 3D printing, and do you have multiple different types in your shop? There's, uh, let's if, uh, if I remember right, there's about five. So there's FDM, filament deposition, manufacturing, and really what you can think of that as is kind of like a hot glue gun on a uh, belt and pulley system, and that glue gun spits out thermoplastic through a nozzle onto uh, the build plate and then onto the later layers. Most of the time, need to use uh, scaffolding or support material. It's probably the lowest resolution 3D printing you can get, uh, and it's also the cheaper 3D printers you can get as well. Then there's SLA. Between FDM and SLA, there's probably the most popular desktop technologies. SLA uses uh, photopolymer resin, uh, which is a liquid that you pour into a uh, into a tank with a clear bottom, and then uh, UV light, either a laser or a LED screen, makes those cross-sections of your model that were formed in the slicer software. Rather than printing the bottom of the model to the top, FTM actually extrudes uh, the build plate out of the uh, resin bath, if that kind of makes sense. And you've got a couple others, uh, DLP, which is uh, direct laser printing, pretty similar to SLA. It also makes use of UV light and photopolymer resin. SLS, which is solid laser centering. So rather than using a UV laser, it'll use, uh, I don't know what you would call it, it's probably like a one and a half watt laser. And what it'll do is take powdered uh, material and uh, center it to form your object. The nice thing about that type of printing, SLS printing, is uh, support material isn't needed. There's no scaffolding to make your object. And the reason why is because the powder that you're using to uh, laser centering to make your object, it's a uh, it's a powdered bed that is continually adding powder to the bed as you're printing. So that powder actually acts as the, uh, the support material. Is that a similar process to when they do the metal 3D printing that they're starting to come out with now? Metal 3D printing is, uh, that would be a solid laser centering. There's also another one that's escaping me right now, but it yeah, it's escaping me right now, but there's uh, there's a sheet metal printing also. But the uh, as far as the, the metal printing that most people talk about, that is uh, an SLS type of printing with a, uh, a bed of powdered metal. Powdered metal being as explosive as it is, the atmosphere that they print in is typically in an inert gas under vacuum. Gas that would come to mind right now would be argon. It's, it's very important to keep that printing area, the, uh, the enclosed area that you're printing that powdered metal in. It's an, extremely important to keep oxygen out of that, keep an inert gas in, typically keep it under vacuum as well. So it's either vacuum or an argon environment that they're, they're printing in. Very cool. Very cool stuff there. Wow. Let's, let's take a little bit step back from maybe the technical side and talk about maybe your process a little bit. Can you tell us what it looks like for you from start to finish? Yeah. So there's there's two ways that I'll get a job. One of them is either uh, someone coming to me with a 3D model and needing it printed, and that's just a open and closed book usually. Um, and then the second one is someone comes to me with uh, either with an idea or a sketch or uh, you know some just an explanation of what they they want made, and they're really looking to me to kind of make it work for them. So. Between the two of those, um, obviously, I prefer the the ones where they've got an end use in mind, and they're kind of looking for me to uh, to to make up the design for them. That's uh, you know that's that's what I enjoy doing is kind of uh, 
playing around with different ideas, making sure that they're getting what they want. And in, in that case, I'll make use of the various 3D modeling softwares that I have, the 3D design softwares, make use of the concepts of design and the, the prototyping process and kind of educate the customer on that as well. Someone's going to come back to you with their next project that they, you know, they got an idea that they want to try and patent and uh, they're already one step ahead because they know how I operate, how the how the process is going to go and everything goes smooth. So we go through an iterative uh, kind of design process. We try a different, pro- uh, you know, a handful of different prototypes out until we zero in on uh, what exactly is going to work for them print out, uh, I wouldn't say a final product, but usually when uh, they're coming to me with an idea, they're interested in maybe pursuing a patent for it. Different kinds of, I don't know, picnic table clips, for example. You know, that's not something obviously you're going to make in production. You know, I'll try to make as many as the customer would need to maybe see if uh, there's a market for his product, help him with prototypes to proceed with that patent process. Typically, I, I stop when the prototyping's done, they're satisfied with the design, and they're maybe pursuing production. That's when I kind of just recommend them to a few machine shops or uh, plastic injection companies to really take their product to uh, production levels. I gotcha. Yeah. So kind of based on these designs that people are coming to you with and then knowing different printing processes you just talked about. Are you recommending materials? How much input do you, are you typically, you know, given to these guys or, or gals? Absolutely. So materials is, is a definite. If you're, if you're trying to make a new kind of test tube, what kind of fluids is it going to be subject to? Is it gasoline? Is it uh, alcohol? There's, there's plastics you're going to want to stay away from. There's plastics you're going to want to use. Obviously, I try to try to simulate with my prototypes the same kind of plastic that they're going to use in production, polyethylenes, polypropylenes. So I, I give them advice. Also, with some of the experience I've had professionally with uh, mold and dye designs, you know, if they are taking something to production, it's, uh, you know, maybe going to be a plastic injected part. I do have some experience producing those uh, injection molds, injection dyes to uh, kind of lean them in, in certain directions when it comes with design. Obviously, 3D printing has a lot more capabilities as far as geometry goes compared to conventional plastic injection. You really got to watch the, I guess, the geometry of your final part, make sure it's actually producible. I, I guess you could just say that you can 3D print most things, but you can't necessarily plastic inject that and say that, that same geometry that you just 3D printed. So I try to lean them towards geometries that are uh, going to be producible when they do get to the point of production. It sounds like you're the man to go to for all this. <laughs> I try to be, right? At the time of this recording, we're still in the midst of the COVID pandemic. Has that put the dampers on your business up to this point? Actually, no. And, you know, I'm not one to take advantage of anybody else's misfortunes, of course, but what it has done is you're looking at, you know, all these things and everyone's got to wear a mask. Obviously, I I can't 3D print a mask. I'm sure you could, but people are complaining about rashes on their ears because of the, the ear loops for the mask. So I go to maybe help people with that problem. I see a lot of people beat me to it, but ear savers, I'm printing those like crazy. Some other people have come up with designs, uh, uh, little clips that you put across the bridge of your nose so that your mask doesn't fog up your glasses. I take back what I just said a minute ago. I have seen people 3D print masks and uh, put filters in it. I don't recommend that just because of the nature of the the process. You can get germs and particulate in between the the layers of the the 3D print. So I I really haven't printed any mass. It seems like it would be a little stiff as well. Yeah, and there's there's ways that people have 
worked around that. Not to go off on a tangent, but PLA plastic, which is one of the most common types of plastic, it's got a lower glass transition temperature, and you can actually permanently deform it using just the hot liquid, using hot water. So what people will do is they'll print their mask, you know, the bird beak shape, and they'll put the section that's in contact with your face. They'll put that into uh, hot or warm water to soften it up, and then actually press fit it against their face to warm to their face. That's actually a pretty good idea. Obviously, you got to be careful with uh, putting hot plastic on your face, but that's uh, what some people have been doing. I haven't seen anyone get <laughs> seriously burned or anything doing. I'm not going to do that. I'll, I'll stick with the manufactured masks, but the uh, the face shields, actually, the, uh, the, the full face shields with the polycarbonate sheeting or plastic sheeting that cover up your whole face using kind of a, uh, like a hairband that sits across your forehead. I've been printing those quite a bit. And then just the fact that, you know, a lot of people have either been working from home and have a lot of free time or they're uh, sitting at home bored. A lot of people are starting to look at the internet and see all the things that you can 3D print. So I've actually seen an upturning customers just out of curiosity, seeing you know what kind of things they can make. People sitting around, some of them are unfortunately unemployed right now, having troubles finding uh, new employment. So they revisit that idea they had you know a few years ago. Let's see if I can make some money off of that. Well, I need a prototype and find me online and, and I take them through the process. So COVID has not at all slowed the business down. And in, in fact, I, I'd say it's made me a little bit more busy than typical. Well, since you mentioned people finding you during COVID, how do people find you? I'm online, <laughs> obviously. I think everybody is now. It's Forge Prototyping is the uh, my company name. They find me typically on Google. If you live in the North Canton area, if you just type in 3D printing North Canton, I should be probably one of the first three that show up below the ads. Of course, never click on the ads on Google. Those are people pay to be there. <laughs> but uh, otherwise, you just go to my website, uh, www.forgep llc.com so that's uh yeah f-o-r-g-e-p-l-l-c.com and there's a contact us tab on there and those emails go directly to me and usually i always have my phone on me it's it's pretty quick that i get back to anybody even if i'm just saying hey i got your message and i'll get back to you later tonight on uh, what i have in mind so pretty easy pretty quick to get back or for me to get back to you that's north canton ohio by the way we're from the south first well, somebody calls it North Canton down there. Is there anything that you've come across through through all your projects that you would consider maybe one of your favorite projects that you got to work on or, or maybe like a more interesting piece? I know you said you, you do a lot of game pieces, which is <laughs> pretty interesting in itself, you know. But is there one that stands out to you like, yeah, that was really cool? You know, I mean, there was there was a few that, I mean, the process lasted almost a year and those obviously they were good to me because they were funding my operation at the time. But as far as racing home from work to get to work on it, I don't think I've had a favorite just yet. Still looking for that favorite. So like you said, Kyle, anybody listening right now, here's your opportunity to bring me my favorite project. They've all been nice. I, I can honestly say there hasn't been a single project that I didn't like. I, I've been doing this five years. You know, Kyle, you and I were still living together when I started this. So I've been doing it for quite some time, but never had something that I genuinely disliked. Uh, I don't think I have a favorite just yet. And I've, we've worked on remote control car chassis from, from scratch, rocket pieces. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed everything, but not a favorite just yet. When you're printing off something, does it all have to be one color or can you get like multicolor, like Iron Man's red and gold? Can you do that or do you need to kind of keep each piece to one color? Right now, the way mine are set up, 
Uh, it's just one piece to one color, but if anyone's interested in that and they want to build their own printer, that's, you know, that's like a $75 job is all that is. That would make it two nozzles on, on one printer. So you would print in two colors, which is something I'm looking at, not specifically for the, the color alteration, but actually for uh, that scaffolding and support material I was uh, referring to earlier. There's uh, warm water dissolvable support material that when you're printing your object, rather than making the support material and the build material out of the same uh, same plastic, out of the same no nozzle, you can print your build material with one nozzle and print your support material with this water dissolvable material, which makes cleanup much easier and, and much cleaner also. But there is a, uh, the one that comes to mind, as far as your question goes, Kyle, the one that comes to mind is uh, Make XYZ 3D printer. Not sure the price tag on it right now, but it's full color 3D printing. Uh, it does use a uh, kind of like a porous, a porous plastic filament that runs through an ink uh, application prior to uh, actually being put down on the, uh, on the th in the 3D print space. But uh, there are full color 3D printers available. I don't have one. Customers I've had have really preferred to take their 3D prints, their game pieces. I'd say Dungeons and Dragons specifically, they prefer to paint them themselves. That's almost kind of a hobby of some people's is to paint their miniatures themselves, make it theirs. But yeah, as far as full color 3D printing, it does exist. Porch prototyping doesn't have it though. When you're 3D printing, do you like, do you have like a, a favorite song, a genre of music, or do you have like a ritual you like to do when you go down there? Is it after work, do you, you grab a beer and, and turn on, you know, some old rock and roll? Actually, that, that's funny. You kind of said everything spot on. My, my rule is when I come down here and I'm, I'm doing work, the rule is, is I'm only allowed to have a beer after the job's done or after the printer's running, which usually it takes a lot more time to to get something running than than usual so there'll there'll be days i'll come home from work and the first thing i want to do is grab a beer but you got to fix the printer first it's your reward for getting it going you're a professional for pete's sake <laughs> so it's uh and oh man some nights you, you look at the clock and it's 10 o'clock already and the printer's just now getting fixed you know shoot no beer tonight but uh, as far as the music goes being the iron man fan that i am obviously i gotta put myself in the Tony Stark mood. So it's it's classic rock. Uh, I'll dabble a little bit of uh, early 2000s alternative in there. Some would call it emo, but I don't get emotional. I'm here to do a job. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, classic rock and uh, 2000s alternative. Is there other hobbies or anything that you'd be interested in learning about? Yeah. So the, the jujitsu is, uh, you know, it, it's it's obviously a part-time thing, only maybe once or a few times a week at most. I do that to stay in shape. I mean, we're, the three of us, we, we kind of sit at desks most of the day and work on the computer and don't get too much exercise. So that's that's something that I enjoy doing just to keep my, uh, just to say I exercised. And it's enjoyable. I, I like it. So what you're trying to say is you like getting choked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm usually the one being choked, so... It's uh, I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. It's it's an hour and uh, it's about an hour per class, and uh, usually a lot of people are just showing me different ways that they can beat me up. <laughs> but as far as outside of that, um, something I I would like to pursue, and I I have started it actually. But uh, culinary, I uh, I joke with my wife all the time that she's going to be looking out the front window about time that I come home, and I'm going to pull in with a with a rusty old food truck that we need to get up and going. That would be something uh, I would enjoy significantly would be just uh, uh, waking up in the morning, firing up the grill and, and 
feeding people all day long. I like cooking, and that's my Friday nights after the printers are, are going. If there's a job, then I crack open a beer and lay out some ingredients and try and make something good out of it. So you say non-technical things, but the reason why I like cooking is because there is a lot of, uh, there's a large technical side to culinary. I'd really like to just thank you, Chris, for you know coming on and, and talking with us. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. This was fun, and anytime you guys need me back on, just let me know. Well, <laughs> that was a lot of information. Very technical. Pretty interesting, though. I mean, what a specialized project and and process that Gorman goes through in order to get those those customers the pieces that they uh, request from him. For me personally, I think I would rather be the customer than than the person making the making the parts and that's just because as an engineer that seemed a whole lot like my job and i'd rather personally um not do my job at home as well i'd want it to be more i guess different from what i do from a day-to-day kind of thing what about you yeah i think i'm in the same boat as you i mean where i work we have a 3d printer for our department so i'm pretty familiar you know with the process and and different things that go along with that like you said it's so close to my job coming home and doing that as like a a side hobby I could see where it would probably help me in my career but at the same time I don't want to extend my work day if that makes sense so I definitely can see the appeal like you can do so many different things with it there's applications and like things like quadcopters and things that I probably would be really into. The game pieces were pretty interesting too. I mean, <laughs> I know that's that's pretty nerdy and I'm not a Dungeons and Dragons kind of guy, but you know, what a what a niche kind of thing that is. It's like, hey, I want to make a new Monopoly piece and how sometimes when you're playing Monopoly or, or you did as a kid and like you wanted the race car and someone took the race car. Well, screw that. Like, I'll go make like a like a truck. And get that. Like, that's cool. You had to be the thimble instead. No one wants to be the thimble. <laughs> I want to be a wizard, Harry. The whole time he was telling me that, I was thinking about the scene in 40-Year-Old Virgin where he's sitting there with, the, like, the magnifying glass painting the toy soldiers or whatever they were. Oh, gosh, yeah. I, that's a great scene. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then also the cost of the of the machine, too. It's like... That's not a cheap hobby. <laughs> like, um, you know, when you're talking, and he, you know, he said a couple hundred bucks to kind of do your own starter build kit, but then I got to build the kit myself too. So it's not like, here's my, here's my machine, here's my software, you know, open it out of the box and you're good to go. It's like, no, you have to customize it and then build it. And you better know the parts that you need to build the machine or else you might buy something and then, oh heck, I'm missing, you know, some, some part that I I don't have enough experience with that I needed to run the machine properly, you know? Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's one of those things where you can just kind of ease yourself into it and kind of dip your toe in the water to see if you like it before you jump in. I guess they have places where, well, I guess it'd be kind of in bigger cities. So they might have some down there in Nashville where I don't even know what they're called, but they've got basically like manufacturing centers that you can come in and work on a lathe or like a 3d printer or something yeah kind of like a work for hire like i i want to go try out your machine and and whatnot and i'm gonna bring my idea or something i i don't think i've heard of those but maybe i'm pretty sure they exist so that might be a way to try it out before you make the investment yeah definitely i mean if 
I think if you're a really creative person and you like designing on computers, uh, I think it's a hobby and something that I could totally recommend you to get into because, you know, like you said earlier, how like customizable you can make things um, for yourself that is, you know, totally unique. So, you know, not just, you know, game, he talked a lot about game pieces in the episode, but, you know, there's other things too, like, you know, little, little trinkets, uh, office supplies, you know, memorabilia. I mean, it, it's kind of like, like Gorman said on the episode, it's kind of endless possibilities within the size of the 3d printer. So if you're a creative person and understand computer design, I would totally say, you know, go for it, try it out. But me personally, no thanks. So on a scale of one to 10, where are you at? 10 being, I'm definitely going to do this. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a, a hard, hard pass on a zero. Sorry, Gorman. You didn't sell me. I think I'm a little more forgiving. I think I'm going to go with maybe a three for all the reasons I've said. It's too close to my job, but it's really cool. I understand why people would be into it and I, I might end up getting into 3d printing you know, along with one of my other hobbies as part of a, like a support. A three, a three, and you would give it a try. I'm saying at least as we've, you know, go on further in our episodes and get to talk more and more about these different hobbies, I think I'm going to at least need a five, but I respect the three. I respect the three. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and we'll see you next time. Thanks guys.